Welcome back to another edition of the Sean Light Podcast. My name is Sean Light. I'm the CEO of 4A Health, and I am releasing a new podcast every single day for an entire year that is specifically designed to answer one question. How can health and fitness professionals rise above the rest to become recognized as a leader in our industry, all while being paid what you are worth and building a ridiculously exciting financial future? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. All right, what's going on, everybody? Uh, Extra special episode here today. I've taken the audio from my interview conversation with Neil Hallinan, uh, where we discussed, I think the intent of it was to discuss PRI, uh, but we we went into some crazy weeds talking about PRI, of course, my journey, his journey, uh, success, the driving forces of success and fulfillment in life. I mean, we really got into some really enjoyable, fun stuff. I think I know that you're all going to be able to take a lot out of this. This is a huge episode. This is an hour 20 long. Uh, and you can also find this on Neil's uh, Neil's YouTube channel. Just type in Neil Hallen in, into the into the search box. Uh, he's uh, got an incredible, incredible channel talking about all sorts of PRI uh, related stuff specific to his journey there I really don't know how many other people out there on the planet are producing information specific to this science uh, at a higher level than Neil Hallen and so it's been it was my great pleasure to uh, join him on his channel uh, and it is my great pleasure to bring that audio to you right now all right I am here with mr. Sean light who I'm fascinated by your backstory because you are like the most confident person I've ever met in my life. One of them. <laughs> At least outwardly speaking, like okay. you never know what's behind the outward representation, but something I remember you as we have our, every philosophy and religion have their creation story or their origin story. <laughs> the origin of our story uh, was at the PRI seminar up in New York where I got knocked into a new reality (laughs) (laughs) and i've told that story numerous times but you're actually much better at telling that story because you're just you're just better at telling stories so i would actually prefer you to actually to to tell the story but first tell us how you end up in a pri seminar first of all because you went from print journalism Mm -hmm. from no no let me start earlier than that from christian brothers academy in lincroft new jersey yeah, you to, did your research. Well, I just remember you went to CBA. I like, oh, yeah. yeah, I was a high school basketball junkie back in the day. So CBA, go. they were good. Uh, John yep. Roddy was there. Um, yeah, but that was way early. But anyway, 80, 87, actually, I know that. Yeah, well, yeah. So when, and then you went to college, uh, Quinnipiac. Nailed it. Quinnipiac. Nailed it. Print journalism, which yep. clearly was. <laughs> not headed in the right direction in terms of an industry. And then you went to strength and conditioning and how right. the heck did that happen? Because I think a lot of people fear changing careers or changing, right. going into something they don't know anything about. Yeah. And, uh, but you were just like, screw it. <laughs> yeah. You know what, Neil, man? I mean, it's, I guess it probably wasn't as screwed at the time, you know, at least to my mom and she wasn't too thrilled with my, my bouncing around to different careers. But, you know, I would say from, right from the get go, like always as a kid, I've just always been pretty stubborn and, and, you know, I, I marched to the beat of my own drum. That is 
that is undeniable. I'm 32 years old. Nobody's denying that anymore. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I graduated my, my senior year of college. I had an internship uh, at the New Haven Register. If you Google my name, Neil, I know you're going to do this afterwards. If you Google my name, and like Sean Light, New Haven Register, I have two articles published, okay? Yeah. I have one. I interviewed NFL players at a local charity event. Yes, I interviewed local, reporter Sean, interviewed local uh, NFL players at a local charity event in New Haven. Uh, and I also did, I also covered one Yale women's tennis match, uh, which, to which I should note, I watched exactly zero zero volleys of that match and i was just wandering yale's campus and came back for the end and interviewed somebody about how they thought they did it was it was great uh but the the job itself was was horrendous i hated it it was so dreary uh the environment sucked i just i just couldn't could not stand it so i ended up uh i had one more year of eligibility after my graduation so i decided to go to graduate school to become a history teacher uh i know that's what i was gonna do very buff Yep, yeah, I know you're I, a history I I guy. A high school history teacher until yep. a year in college. I was like, I don't think I want to teach kids. <laughs> so, so oddly enough, I was a high school substitute history teacher oh, for a that. year. I was, uh, and I was in New Haven, Connecticut. And I don't know if any of your viewers are familiar with New Haven, Connecticut, but it's a bit of a rough area, uh, and their school system was equally as challenging. Uh, and as the sub, my, I thought I was just going to be the cool guy who came in and, you know, it's like, Hey, whatever you guys want, like, like, we'll just follow the lesson plan and we're out. And I, on day one, Neil, I lost complete control of the classroom, <laughs> complete, complete, complete control of the classroom. I, I kid you not. There, at one point, there was a girl dancing on top of her desk. I had to call the security officer who was a, like a volunteer policeman, uh, to come into the room to, to handle the situation. And I walked in. And I said, I said, like, hey, man, like, this is completely out of control. Can you help me, like, wrangle this up a little bit? And he looks at the girl, and he's like, hey, Stacy, get off the desk. Uh, and Stacy literally turns to the, to the police officer and gives him the finger. And, and the, I was like, oh, my God. And then the officer turns to me, and he goes, I tried. And he walked out. And I'm, I'm freaking, man. Uh, so I spent a whole year, and I got a little more comfortable, and the, the yeah. kids got used to me. So, you know, we found my, I found my groove a little bit, but it was never something I was really interested in doing. And honestly, on a whim, in my, in my bedroom up in Hamden, Connecticut, uh, where Quinnipiac is, uh, I became, uh, my, uh, my friend suggested that I become a strength coach. And I went into, uh, the next day, I went into Brajesh Patel's office, who was the strength coach when I played basketball there. Uh, he's still there. He's my mentor. He's a good friend now. Uh, truly, probably the most most influential person in my career. Uh, he allowed me to intern with him. He threw the essentials of strength and conditioning book right on his desk and said, get to work. Uh, and I, I remember, I'll never forget opening up that first chapter and seeing actin and myosin and sliding filament theory and thinking it was straight Chinese, man. And, uh, it, you know, it was, it was a, it was a wild road and, and I ended up passing. I literally passed the CSCS test with the minimum passing oh, yeah. score the yeah. minimum i got a 70 on the dot uh and i was like That's i'm never i'll do what yeah i was like i will do anything i can to never ever take that test again yeah. uh, so uh, i ended up trying to find jobs like everybody going through the process and i wanted to i wanted to work in the pros and i was obviously really far away from making that happen and my mom one time suggested after many failed sending applications out and interviews who are you I mean, sending applications to 
who knows like random gyms in my area you know i don't I, I think I said, honestly, I think I sent one to San Antonio Spurs. <laughs> uh, I, I honestly don't remember. I remember just sending them out on like indeed.com or monster.com, whatever was popular back then. Uh, and, you know, I literally, nobody was responding. I got one interview, nobody else responded. And then my mom one time suggested that I just email every professional baseball strength and conditioning coach. Cause I had been talking about baseball. My brother was an up and coming baseball prospect. Uh, so there was, I mean, there was like sorta inroads, but yeah. not really. Yeah. Um, and I found out that the minor league system is an entry level system where you can really get involved and, and it's, I mean, the pay, my first job was 23,500 bucks a year. Uh, and it was, you know, it was, it was an, a great entry level job. So I ended up getting interviews with, I, I emailed every single strength and conditioning coach in professional baseball one night at like three o'clock in the morning, uh, ended up getting a couple calls back, ended up getting interviewed by the Mets, the the Mets, the Phillies, and the Diamondbacks. Uh, the Mets offered me first, and I actually accepted that job. But there was this like crazy back and forth that went on between the Mets and the Diamondbacks that eventually the Diamondback, the Mets guy was like, you should take the Diamondbacks job. They were, they were, uh, they were competing for you? Yeah, they were somehow. Oh, wow. So, well, that somehow. Feel better. Yeah, <laughs> I, it did. And, and yeah, I, I mean, I was feeling, I was feeling, feel myself neil uh so, I yeah right 23.5 that you know was interesting was the dimebacks had to up their offer to get to 23.5 uh <laughs> and uh and, and then i eventually ended up with the diamondbacks and yeah. the diamondbacks as far as i'm concerned are the single best strength and conditioning organization uh or and sports medicine as well in all of professional sports i haven't seen them all but it's the best that i've seen it's best that i'm aware of uh they do an unbelievable job incredible people uh and everybody's everyone's like really savvy really smart the pri was their philosophy when i got there what uh, so what, and, what 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 makes because i'm pretty sure that no one watching this although i mean trainers do watch this and a lot of people around the world watch this apparently uh, what, <laughs> you're famous neil <laughs> yeah. but uh what i mean i know nothing about that world I've always, yeah. I think there's a lot of mythology about it, like, you know, what it must be to be around professional athletes and how hard they must train or maybe not train. Uh, <laughs> and that's why, this, like, the stories that you would tell when we had that genius series, which was like yeah. one of the happiest times of my life, I would get up <laughs> at really 5 a.m. on Saturday mornings to get into Manhattan by 9 a.m. and Wall Street area. So we could, so Sean and I could host these just, discussion groups yeah. and it, to, to actually go somewhere where people wanted your opinion and wanted to talk to you about something that you're passionate about was literally the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> and those five or six months were just amazing. We got to bring that back, Neil. We got to bring that back. But I, I remember when you call, you're like, I don't even think you had a name for it. And you're just like, I'm just gonna call yeah. it genius series. Like I wouldn't have done that. It, to me, I, that would have been so presumptuous on my part. <laughs> to, yeah. to call, like, but, for, but knowing you as I know you, it's like, yeah, of course he's gonna call it the genius series. Because <laughs> that's why you, like, you seem to have this confidence yeah. but with whatever you do. But all right, so I don't wanna change course too much. <laughs> we'll get there, a, we'll get that's there. That's a recurring theme that I've come across with you in that yeah. you don't give an F. You know, and not in a, not in a dickhead way. Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. Like, you're not worried. Yeah. And I think, nope. that's, and that's a big deal in life. So no what doubt. makes a good strength and conditioning crew? You know, I, I think that the, the big thing is 
actually caring about your athletes and trying to do better. I think, you know, at that level, you get a real mixed bag of people that are in it because we're at the pros and it's cool. And I got followers on Instagram and, you know, people at back home think that I'm the freaking man, right? Like that, you know, there's a mixed bag. And then there's organizations uh, who from the top down, you know, the leadership is really good, which the Diamondbacks were. uh, And there's a one general direction. Everybody's pushing to be better. I don't necessarily like, I believe in PRI wholeheartedly. I believe it's the best science that's out there. Uh, But uh, not everybody believes that. And I don't think that that's a requirement of being a really good sports performance right, 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 uh, right. organization. I think it's like caring and trying to be better and learning new things and not being, you know, s- you know, strong headed about uh, learning other things and, you know, finding things that just honestly, it's just about caring, doing good and having a cohesive unit. The diamondbacks, I don't think, you know, and I've seen a lot where, you know, there's just like random collections of str- strength and conditioning coaches. I remember one NBA team when I worked in the NBA, where it was just like one of the, the head athletic trainer of the team. We were, him and I were talking in the waiting before the game. And I was like, who is this person? They were like performing like soft tissue. And he's like, I have no idea who this person is. I don't know what they do. Uh, and this is an NBA, this is a full, full-fledged NBA team. Uh, and he just is like, I don't know what the hell's going on with my, with my team here. I don't know who these people are. My, the owner just, he literally sees something on the internet. Literally, this is a conversation I had. The owner sees something on the, on the internet. He thinks it's awesome. So he just, contacts them because he's the owner of an NBA team and he brings and he hires them onto the, onto the squad. And now I have all these people that I'm looking after and I'm responsible for the, their performance. So uh, it's honestly just like genuine care, top down, top down cohesive unit with, with a direction of, of a bunch of people trying to support the mission. I I think that's what makes a good team. Because from the outside, from the, you would just, or I would assume that any professional team would have this just, tight shop that they know what they're doing right they're putting the resources towards it uh because you know putting a winning product on the field or the court requires certain things yeah but then the like you just said the reality might be a lot different and a lot might be very helter skelter it reminds me of this (laughs) this uh documentary i recently watched about how some like four of the greatest 80s movies were ever made like home alone Ghostbusters and something else. But the recurring theme in this was, now these are all blockbuster movies. I would have assumed that from production to filming to acting to everything was so planned out and perfect. (laughs) And the exact opposite was the reality. Every single one was like, oh, we didn't know what we were doing. (laughs) We just tried it. Like one of them, they were were writing the script as the movie was being filmed. They were like one page ahead. And what you realize is if you've never, you know, tried being self-employed, if you've never really been exposed to people who are entrepreneurs or have their own business, you may think that they know exactly what they're doing. But in reality, I think they have an (laughs) idea of what they would like to do. And then you just try shit. Yeah. And if it doesn't work, you try other stuff and don't get worried about it when something doesn't work out perfectly. And that's another thing like with you, it's like, you just try stuff all the time, nonstop. <laughs> if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. <laughs> like, yeah, but yeah, how I would have been previously, my I would have been terrified about it not working. Right, and it would I would have interpreted it as a reflection upon me. Yeah. Oh man, I suck. Instead of yeah, it just didn't work. Move on to the next right. thing. And right. I think that's that. What I admire about you is it's like shoot first 
and then aim almost. Although well, I know that's not completely it, but you're you not know, the, just try stuff. And, and I'll tell you what, uh, there's a lot of times, like the way that I look at that, Neil, is I say, okay, uh, this is where I am. This is where I want to be. There's no other way to go about this process. There's no other way to get from point A to end up at point B without doing that. There's just no way. And by all means, I'll never forget the first time I posted an Instagram story. I was in Hermosa Beach, California, and I took a picture of flowers. I, that's, that was the first Instagram story I ever posted. And I was like, oh, God, all my friends are going to absolutely punish me for this. Was this when and you were working for the Lakers? I was. I was working okay. for the Lakers, and I had 475 followers, okay? And I was like, my friends are going to absolutely roast me for this. I'm going to be one of those people now. Uh, and I just was like, I was a very uncomfortable posting it. Uh, and I just got to the point where, <laughs> here's, here's a good story for you. Uh, I was, I, I, you, are you familiar, you're familiar with Gary Vaynerchuk, right? Of course, yes. So he's got this thing called the dollar eighty strategy, okay? This uh -huh. is classic. Uh, when the, the thing is, is you search relevant hashtags and you comment on people's photos so that they see you. Uh, and then that you generate a little dialogue and they end up following you and you grow your, you grow your base. And I was like, that's brilliant. I'm going to try that. Right. So I was in my, I was, I was living in California and I would go on people, wake up in the morning and I would find like a hashtag. I'd be like Laker, I'm Lakers. I was like, that's a layup for me. I'm going to freaking find some Laker fans. I'm a Lakers strength coach. I'm going to, I'm going to start getting that going. <laughs> So I start, I start going on, I see people at the game and I'm like, yo, thanks for coming to the game last night. Like basketball emoji, basketball emoji, and like generate a little dialogue. My number started going up. <clears throat> I'm in the weight room, like a couple days later and our seven foot rookie, Evita Zubats walks up to me with his phone and he showed it to me. He goes, is this how you get followers? And I was mortified, dude. I was so, I was so embarrassed uh, because I was like, and my response to him was like, look, we're not all, you know, seven foot NBA players who can get, get followers at, at, you know, at the stroke of a stroke of the wand here. I, I have to actually work at this. And uh, you know, like, and, and that's always been my thing. And I, you know, I'm, I'm just as uncomfortable putting putting these things out and and doing things and i can i can rattle off a million examples of things that i've been extremely uncomfortable doing and i remember i remember recently at i was giving a presentation at holy cross college and well, my new thing now with with my presentations is i am not going to be i am i will not be somebody who's going to stand up there and just talk at you for one hour Right. If you're going to hear me speak, I'm going to do everything in my human capacity to communicate this message to you. And I believe that the way you do that is to, you get the energy going and you have to, you have to raise the energy in the building awesome. and get people moving a little bit, get them engaged in the presentation. So the first thing I did was I gave like a little, you know, like an inspiring, motivating five minute speech. And then I got everybody to stand up and we literally... I orchestrated a slow clap with like a couple hundred uh, strength and conditioning coaches up in the Northeast. And I had never done that before. And even like, as I'm about to do it, I'm like, well, here, here we go. Let's see what happens. <laughs> like, I don't know if anybody's going to listen to me. I think this yeah. is out of the box. None, none of the other speakers that day were even close to that. But I said to myself, like, I look down the road and I see the Sean light of 20 years from now. Uh, and by all means, like, I want to be somebody who has an incredibly successful business, who's helping a ton of people and who can give seminars in front of thousands of people. That's my, that's my literal goal. Yeah. And I say the only way 
the absolute only way that that is going to happen is if I'm constantly getting myself better uh, and I'm so committed to that and I'm so driven by that outcome that these things, it becomes a lot easier to go through that process. I always tell people if you're having a trouble you know, doing those things and uh, finding that motivation, it's because your, your outcome isn't compelling enough. You have to find a way to be truly driven by your outcome and then you don't even need you don't even need motivation at that point because you're just intrinsically motivated because you really want that thing, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and that's, that's what, I mean, that's, that is, that is it. That's like, that's why I do anything that, that I do that is considered a little risky and a little challenging and, right. and I would never do that thing. And uh, you know, that's, I know that that's the only way to make it happen. Uh, in terms of the outcome, how do you deal with the idea that, uh, craving the outcome too much and if you don't get it you get depressed about it so yeah. it could be very easy to get compliments or it can be very easy to fall into the trap of you know people telling you the greatest uh you're right. the best speaker you're the best you're the smartest blah, blah 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 and then when you associate that with yourself uh that becomes a very egocentric um kind of way of living right uh so you can't live for that because there's going to be other people that are going to be like, you suck. Or you, <laughs> yes. might, not get, you might not get anyone to clap along with you. And yep. then what do you yep. do? Do you just completely fall apart? And I mean, it's, 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 tough. it's tough not to get the outcome that you're desiring. And, right. and how do you proceed from that point, especially when there's people watching you? As yeah. If that slow cap clap had failed miserably, how do you move on? Or are you just like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm glad you brought that up and we'll, we're getting into some weeds here already. You know, I, it, I believe that most people on the planet are driven by significance. They want to be significant in some way, yeah. however that ends up being, yeah. uh, and they want to have certainty in their life, right? These are, these are the primary drivers of what people want in life. Which okay? no one has right now because of the current circumstances. You, well, here's the thing about these, these, and I, and I should, I should say that this, this whole spiel, like this is, I learned this from Tony Robbins. Yeah. So the, the, the thing about significance is that you can never, you can never achieve it. It's, it's an unachievable goal. It's an un, 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 unachievable outcome because unless maybe Jeff Bezos, right? Like who, who is he, who is he, who is he modeling himself after anymore? Right. I don't really know. Right. Um, he probably is. He, there's probably somebody he's looking to as a goal, which is the reason that Amazon doesn't make any money because they're kind of trying to take over the entire world. Right. Yeah. Um, but significance, you can never get there because there's always somebody a step ahead and you're just like, ah, that guy's better. I want that. Right. Oh, yeah. And certainty, the thing about uncertainty is that there is no such thing as certainty in our world. So the fact, the interesting thing is most humans are driven by significance and certainty and they're two unachievable things. That's right. right? So you'll never, so ultimately they will always fail. Right. I think the true process is, and, and this is just really flows well for me because I just got off the phone uh, with one of our club members and this is what I was telling him. The, the true journey for anybody in life who aspires to be great uh, is to change, is to genuinely change the, the forces that drive you. And I believe there's two forces that, there's two for driving forces of success. Uh, and that is personal growth. Okay, you personally have to be driven to get better. Uh, and that you cannot keep that growth with yourself. You have to be able to turn that around and shoot that back and contribute that back out to the world. This, I 100% believe this. If you are driven, truly driven by personal growth and contribution, 
everything else takes care of itself. I don't have to, I don't have to worry about the slow clap not working. I only have to worry, I only have to worry about doing everything that I can to make it happen. It's not, if, if, if it doesn't work, that means that I need to be better to communicate that message, right? And it's always about just like, did I do my best? Did I do everything I could to make that happen? I like to think in every, every time I speak, every time I record a podcast during this video right now, I picture for whatever reason in the back left corner, I just see it is I see a, like a young Sean light uh, who's sitting out there, who is driven by ego, driven by significance, driven by certainty, who is never going to get that and desperately needs to hear this message. Absolutely. And I believe that somebody in every audience is desperately needs to hear that message. Uh, so the whole journey for me as an entrepreneur, uh, as a human being at this point, is to not be successful, not be uh, you know, rich, not be significant. It's to do everything I can to actually transform my driving forces to that of personal growth and contribution to make that my, the actual juice that gets me rolling every day. And I think that changes the game. And if you get that, the crazy thing about that, significance and certainty take care of itself yeah no i agree with you because everything even in my own life uh everything else just fell away like all the other concerns fell away when i realized that i was helping people and that my own story could help people because i was low confidence for the majority of my life there's no i mean it, i was you know, from a very young age things started going downhill with the confidence in the confidence arena but and actually, it was something that you said to me actually boosted my confidence two years ago. Because uh, we don't, we never know who we can influence in a good way. You have no clue who's listening to you. Right. You have no clue who respond, who's responding to the way that you look at them, either in a good way or a bad way. I know that from teaching dancing. You have to be so cautious about how you, how you teach people anything in dancing or anything else. Because they already, because if you are somebody in their eyes, they already have you up on a pedestal. So something that you say or do could either, you know, completely destroy them right. or boost them up. And I remember two years ago after the, after the, um, the SUV ran into the dance studio that I was using for doing my PRI training <laughs> and after Google destroyed my business by like just destroying my website after an algorithm, I had like no business left. And I had already started the YouTube channel. But you were like, hey, just come in, visit me, and we'll just, you know, we'll talk, blah, blah, blah. And then you, you, meant, you mentioned Gary Vaynerchuk. And I was like, I'll just watch the videos. And I, do, I already knew who he was because he owns the, or he used to own the, uh, the wine store in, in Milburn, in Springfield, which yeah. is Milburn. And so I already knew who he was. But you kind of said to me, we, we were talking about PRI. And you said, you know, yeah, you're kind of the only person I can talk at this level with. And that meant a lot to me because... I thought I was seeing things properly. <laughs> I was going to seminars where people were still just talking. They weren't talking neuro whatsoever. They were just still talking about muscles and bones. I'm like, I don't think that's what it's about. And so I was doubting myself and you, and having that come from you because you've been around these people. Like, as we say, whether, whether top flight training in this NBA or the major leagues is as top flight as we think it is, who knows? <laughs> but, but the fact that you're around these people and you said that to me that, yeah, I think you're the only person I can really talk to in these terms about this stuff. That really boosted my confidence. I was like, all right, 
if that's he great. thinks I'm good at it, I must be good at it. And <laughs> yeah. so I went from there and that's really when I got, I was like, I got really confident with the YouTube channel, not to be afraid to get criticized. Luckily, cause that is a fear. If you can, if you, of course, uh, facing that, that angry viewer who doesn't sure. understand what you're talking about. You sure. know, and I realized a lot of people were not going to understand it, but I just said, you know what? I'm not going to worry about those people. Right. Because they're not going to, they're just not going to get it. They're not in a place that they can relate to it. Whereas sometimes right. other people who know nothing about PRI, they watch these videos and say, I feel in my body what he's talking about. I feel twisted yep. and they feel completely validated because some, finally someone is talking about this pattern inside their body. That's occurring. Right. And everyone else is telling them they're crazy. So when you can focus on those people and ignore the haters, because they're always going to be there. And every now oh, and then yes. I get some negative comments, but I just realized that person has no clue what I'm talking about. And it just, they can't wrap their head around it. I, I always say, years ago, I, always say I, would have, I would have worried more about that person than all the people I'm course. helping. And of course. It, but when you are so, when you've got that confidence and the ego has, has fallen away and you no longer live for that praise and you don't fear blame, you're good to go. Like all those, I mean, I it, think it's I, just a weight off your shoulders. You just keep going. Yeah. You, dude, you're the perfect example of all of, of that driving force that I'm talking about. You know, we'll, I'll get texts from you and you'll say like, <laughs> I, I just got, I just got, I just got 5,000 followers on, on YouTube. And you're like, I don't even know how the hell that happened. Right. And it's, and like, do you know how many people would kill for the 5,000 followers on YouTube. But like for you, that's not the concern. Like the, the other texts I get from you about the random bone that you found that you discovered inside of your cranium like and, and how that is, yeah, and then how that's been ruining the whole thing, right? Like for yeah. you, it's like, you're so driven by growing and learning more about this process and then turning it around for everybody else. And the funny thing about that is like, you've, you are now at the point where that is your driving force. Yeah. And it's, and, and like I always say, and I should use you as an example more for this. I'm going to use you more as an example. I think I had you on. Right? Uh, they, That's really like, about me, not about you, by the way. <laughs> always, always, always. Uh, but when, when, that, when you actually get to that point, right, and it's not fake, it's not BS anymore, when you actually get to that point, the results take care of itself because people are constantly looking for those people that can help them out. Uh, very few, there's not a lot of people out there that can do it uh, or who are even willing to try. Uh, and when you're, when you're on that level, when you get there, Truly, I, I tweeted the other day. This is one of my one of my best tweets of all time. I said something like, uh, "I said something like, if you want to make if your if your goal is to make a hundred thousand uh, dollars, you have to become that person before you actually make that money." That's like asking for if you're waiting. That's like asking for the explosion without making the bomb. You have to become the person first, and then all of the results take care of itself afterwards. And uh, that's. To me, as far as I'm concerned, whatever anybody listening right now, whatever goal that you have, look to look to see who it is that is doing that and just model that. Just see what see what it is. That's one of the reasons that I get up every single day and throw lotion through this beautiful lettuce that I have up here. And uh, and I wear I wear nice clothes and I wear nice shoes and I there's nobody's I'm not gonna see anybody that I'll see you. Uh, but I, I wear this every single day because I'm trying to I think about who Sean Light's going to be in, in 20 years. And I think about what I'm going to be wearing living in my penthouse in New York city. And I'm like, okay, he's wearing that. Okay. I'm going to go get that right now and wear that right now. So I can get a little bit closer to that end result. Acting as if. 
acting as if 100%, 100%. I think about, it was funny, I was, I was running the other day and I, I said to myself, and I always picture myself, I have, a, I have a apartment that I saw on YouTube. It's $16 million, okay, just to be clear. Uh, it's, a, it's, in the, it's in Madison Square Park Tower in New York City. Uh, unbelievable view of south, looking south in Manhattan. Uh, and I always picture myself standing at that view, window, looking out, like, like I, this, is my, this is my home now. Uh-huh. And I said, I, I thought to myself, I said, Sean, like, if, if you're standing there, you've accomplished that. You bought the apartment, probably paid in cash because I'm a savage. Uh, <laughs> whatever. Uh, I'm standing there. I'm looking south of Manhattan. I'm like, what are you thinking about? Like, what is driving you to actually be successful today? Uh, and I was like, well, if, if money's no longer an ob- object or, you know, uh, that's not a problem anymore. The only thing that's driving me is, and I came up with this phrase, world-class contribution uh, in helping people out at a really high level. That would be the only thing I could have, could have thought of that could help people out. And I said, well, there it is. If that's what $16 million apartment Sean is thinking, that's what current Sean needs to be thinking. And then once I get there and that's legit, then I'll become $16 million Sean. Yeah. How did, so how did your mindset change from NBA and sports training to what you're doing now, which is, and I didn't even mention what you are doing now, because I'm not even really sure, <laughs> tell you the truth, because you're kind of doing a lot of different things. You're clearly helping people in different ways. So you have mm-hmm. this 4A health club, which is mostly for trainers? Yes. Okay. And how are you fitting that? How did, Okay, so how did you go from training the NBA and baseball to being like, you know what, I'm going to start this educational club. Sure. From out of nothing. Like, yep. How did you go through that transformation? Yeah. So what, what ended up happening when, when I, when I was with the Lakers, my general manager, he got fired. Okay. And they brought in magic Johnson. And when magic Johnson came in, he did not like Sean. <laughs> uh, but, but that's, isn't that, is that normal in professional? Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's standard. I, I believe that if you take a job in at that level, uh, you, you sign your death, your death wish, like it, you're going to get fired at some point. It's not a matter of when it's a matter of, or not a matter of if it's a matter of yeah. when. when coaches changed is usually the whole Yeah. I mean, thing. a lot of people have their guy and stuff yeah. like that. And I, I was hired by the general manager. And when, when magic Johnson came in, like I, I could tell right away, like there was, it's not like where there was bad blood or anything. Uh, you know, me and me and magic Johnson don't have beef, <laughs> but you know, yeah. So he had a guy, he had a guy named Gunnar Peterson, uh, who he had worked with in the past. The new, the other general manager, uh, Rob Palinka, he was also linked uh, up with, with, uh, with Gunnar Peterson. Point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so it was, I could tell like literally the first day we were in there, uh, those guys came in, I could tell that things had changed. Uh, and so I ended up, I ended up getting fired from the Lakers and I, 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 I thought about it and, and deciding where I wanted to go next. And I had some opportunities to go back into the NBA with some other teams, but my thought process was, look, I spent so much time and effort learning, trying to be great at what I do, that, that somebody can just come in out of nowhere, not even talk to me and just let me go. And now, you know, my, now I'm left without a job. Uh, and that's just simply the nature of that beast. And I looked at the teams, like there were a couple teams, I won't name names, but there were a couple teams that uh, were 
in, I was in talks to about jobs and I'm looking at them like, this is a mid-level team. They're not very good. Coach has been there three years. I think he might get fired. Like I could be in the same yeah. situation as I am next. Yeah. I actually was interviewing for a head strength coach job at a major, high major uh, college basketball team. Uh, and I interviewed and, and, huh? Maryland? No, Sorry. not Maryland, not Maryland. Uh, I'll tell you off the air. Okay. Uh, and then uh, the, I'm sitting there, I'm interviewing. And then after the interview, they were like, yeah, they're basically about to offer me the job. And I got called from my old, uh, an old friend of mine, we'll say. And, uh, and he called me up and he's like, don't take that job. They're going to fire you at the end of the year. They're going to fire the co head coach. And then they're going to fire, they're going to fire you right after. Uh, and so they ended up. So there is certainty in the world. <laughs> it was it, 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 listen, <laughs> yeah, there, I mean, some, there are places. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I ended up uh, saying no to that job and they hired somebody from the NBA and they fired him at the end of the season. So, I mean, thank you. Uh, lucky stars that that worked out that way. And basically it just, had, I, I was always open to the idea of going back, but it had to be a perfect situation. Uh, and of all the, I mean, I don't really, I don't get so many calls anymore. I did a lot in the beginning, uh, but the, the, uh, the situations were never, never, you know, something that I was like, this is a good deal for me. And I never wanted to be like a journeyman, like just traveling from team to team to team. Right, that right, was never right. something I wanted to do. So I, I've always had my, my idea all along was to go to the NBA for a couple of years and then start this, start this business, this exact business. The, uh, the and so a, it, the it, club. Yep. can you just explain so, what that is? Yeah. So the business, the idea is I, I, I value the education side of it a lot more. Uh, and what I, what I've come to find out is that we're in an industry where, you know, there's people that are successful that maybe shouldn't be successful, right. That maybe aren't as smart, yeah. uh, or as skilled as, as other trainers. And what, what, what I have found, uh, is that there's an actual path that you need to follow if you want to be successful. And the way I deemed, the way I consider success is financially, you're good, right? And you have the job that you want. You're doing the, the work that you feel you were put on this planet to do. Uh, and I think that there are very, there are very specific steps that you need to follow in order to make that happen. So for what I decided to create were vehicles to take people along that journey. So we have, for example, the 4A Health Club is uh, every month we're putting out a new course. Uh, there's exercise science on there. There's a course on motivation, how to create unlimited motivation. There's a course on goal setting. There's a course on blogging, uh, search engine optimization, because all of these tools are really important to a huge section of our uh of our audience. And, and this is, this is certainly not for the average Joe trainer who doesn't really aspire to much, who doesn't really love the job. This is for people who are hungry there. It's, it's the people like me who really want to become something and impact people. And who also realize nothing is certain. So you better keep, you, you exactly. got to keep creating like you're, you know, all, how many times I, I worked at a gym at one point that gym hasn't been open in six months. You cannot rely, and this is something I try to get across to people, you cannot rely on other people for your employment. I mean, right. you have to be able to have a skill of some type that you can sell. Right. Uh, because even if you're not making a ton of money, which you're probably not in the beginning, and you got to just, that's just part of it. But you, if you are putting your faith in corporate America, uh, don't. Uh, 
you know, I, there's I nothing totally wrong agree. with there's nothing wrong with being an employer, uh, an employee. Absolutely. But there's nothing guaranteed just because you're an employee now. They will cut you. Remember, you are still a labor cost to those corporations. No doubt. And no if doubt. you cost too much, they will cut you. So even in your free time, have a skill, develop a skill, get good at it, get freaking good as hell at that skill. So if something does happen and you do get fired or you get laid off, you have something that you can jump in with and have a skill that you could sell, preferably online, because life may be different for the next couple of years. But, you know, again, you got to develop something on your own, not just be under the whim of a coach, an right. owner who decides he wants to go in a different direction. That's, that's one thing I can't go back to because that will create right. major uncertainty in your life. I'd rather have limited income, but have it under my control. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's always been my MO. Uh, I, I always wanted to be able to do as much as I can to control my destiny and where yeah. I was going to end up. Yeah. I, you know, I remember when I worked in baseball, the, the collective bargaining agreement in, in major league baseball did not allow other organizations to talk to me without oh, requesting man. permission from my, from my superiors. Wow. And my, I know for a fact that my superiors were denying some people to have those conversations. So for me, I was like, there's a really serious chance that nobody will ever know that I exist just by legislature. Right. So I, so that's where I really started looking into the NBA because I was like, I gotta, I'm not going to just sit here and hope that I end up making the big league someday. I need to go out and make that happen. Right. Uh, and, and that's, and that's, and that's why I never went back to the pros because I didn't want, I, I just didn't want to leave that up to this funny story. Uh, you know, people think that, uh, you know, you have, of course, like you were saying before, like all the best are in the, or in the NBA and in the MLB and whatever. Uh, and I think it's challenging to get into the interview, but once you're in the interview, it's anybody's game. This is exactly how my interview went for the Lakers. This is exactly how it went. Full, I'm in full suit. I'm in El Segundo, California. I'm at the, de I'm at, I'm in the office. I'm here behind the desk is Mitch Kupchak, the, the general manager. Uh, to my right is Tim DeFrancesco, who was the head strength coach there. And to my left was new head coach, Luke Walton. Okay. Luke Walton, was, Luke Walton was sitting there in purple, purple shorts and a black cutoff eating with a backwards hat, eating a Chipotle bowl. Okay. Uh, Mitch <laughs> Kupchak was sitting back. There was no words being said in the interview. This is a hundred percent fact, Neil. He's leaning back in his chair. He's looking over my resume. He's looking through, he's looking through, he's looking through. And then he sees that I'm a licensed massage therapist. And he, he look, he looks above his glasses. He's like, you're a massage therapist. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah. And he goes, massage Luke's arm right now. And I go, what? So I stood up full suit, walked over to Luke Walton, who I had never met before. <laughs> and I, and I performed a, an ART pin and stretch release on his shoulder in the middle of my interview for the Lakers. I go through it and I was careful to make sure it kind of felt nice. I didn't like drag too much skin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, and then it was, when it was done, Mitch looks at Luke and goes, how was it? And Luke is <laughs> like, I tell you, that feels pretty good. And I was like, all right, I guess, I, there it is. And like, they asked me a couple other questions. It was really pretty easy. Uh, and I got hired, I got hired like a couple days later. And that, that was, that was the nature of the beast. And what's interesting is I people, I tell people all the time that if you want a job in the NBA, you just have to convince the, the general manager who has no idea what he's talking about. Right. And that's not yeah, no yeah, disrespect yeah. to these guys. They just don't, they have not devoted their life. What's interesting about our world is that the general population believes that they know, like they know for certain 
what it, what it takes to be a good strength and conditioning coach, which is high volume motivation, mental toughness, and more, 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 more. Right. And everybody looking yoked. Nobody knows a damn thing about a posterior mediastinum uh, or an ischiocondylar adductor. Another funny story is there was a point in the season where we were told that to start the warmups, we had to sit around in a circle at center court, spread Eagle and stretch our, stretch our groins because that's how uh, Pat Riley used to have the guys do it back when we were winning championships right and that's the nature that's the nature of the game at there and there's there's a millions of stories that i have like that and everybody else who's been at that level has of that uh and you know for me i never ever wanted to again put myself in a position where people on the outside were going to ju- make their decisions of who sean light is right. based on a guy who has no idea who sean light is right, right? So I created this company and I wanted to create these vehicles to help people find that success. I went from, I I, I tell people this all the time. I went from a journalism degree. I got my CSCS in 2012. I was the strength coach for the Lakers in 2016. Four years, right? Right. And I don't like, I don't say that, you know, here's another thing that makes me uncomfortable when I talk about like how quickly and how successful I am uh, and financially how successful that I've been uh, is because it kind of comes off skeevy. But what I want people to know is that this is all possible. You can do this. This is, there's very real steps that you need to take. You just need to, you need to have somebody who can help you along that journey. And that's what I created for a health force so that I could create these vehicles to help people along whatever step that they're at. I can get them along that journey and and help them go to that next step until they get above the threshold. And now they're the hero. uh, And now, and they're able to do the same thing for their lives. And at the same time, Neil, uh, when, when we're, when we circle back to growth and contribution, I know that alone, I can't have that impact. Right. So secretly what I'm really trying to find are the other people out there who can do it, who can inspire more people and can have that impact, who can then, again, it's just like my own little pyramid scheme here. I'm trying to find the other people who, who can do it and can, can rise up above everybody else and actually change this industry. People talk about it all the time. I see it on Twitter. This industry needs a reform. We got to do something about this. We need to do something about, you know, X, Y, and Z. Well, let's freaking do something about this. And that's what, what Four Health is. about the fitness and strength conditioning community? I'm not really involved in it anymore, so. Right. You know, I'm in, I'm in my own land. Yeah. You know, it's hard to say, like, I think that, you know, I I feel bad for the general population uh, who are simply at the mercy of marketing dollars and they don't, they, they don't know, they'd have no idea what's, what's good and nor should they. Right. right. Um, You know, I, I, I don't think that's, I don't think that's fair. I think that at some, I think, you know, Neil, during this quarantine, like right out here, this, the, no, the gyms are closed and there's this huge staircase right outside my window. Okay. And I sit up here. Uh, and I watch it's become the fitness hub of of Hoboken, New Jersey. Okay, uh, and I sit out here and I and I'm and I watch the I watch the amount of the amount of burpees that get performed outside my window are just mind blowing. And I look at these and I see these people who think that they're and they're very well meaning people uh, that are probably going to suffer with a lot of low back pain who are probably going to have knee pain. Uh, I wrote an article called the, this is fitness generation number one, a couple of years back that was referring to the fact that right now in, in the NFL, we're seeing the first generation of football realizing what it's, what it has done to their bodies. And I think that this is the first generation where fitness has really been a, a big component of our life and our lifestyle in this, in this society. Uh, and in 20, 30 years, you're going to see what it has done to your body. And there's going to be, 
back there's going to be back disc problems discectomies there's going to be uh, knee replacements and hip replacements and all this stuff is going to come back come back up uh and hopefully you know i think what needs to happen is people people uh, need to realize that 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 is what's happening here but unfortunately neil i think I think, I think it's going to take, I think it's, I truly believe that it's going to take uh, the realization of a ton of people getting injured like that uh, or a humongous marketing campaign with really influential people to make that, to make that shift. But it's so embedded in, in, in people's minds of what fitness is and what fitness looks like yeah. that. Uh, I mean, I dealt with it at the professional level. Guys wanted to look like they were, uh, you know, six pack abs, fitness models. And I'm like, no, why would you want that? That's stupid. Yeah. And what, so why, what in your, so I know we've had this discussion and I'm, you're the first person that I remember articulating it. I had, I had thought about it. Uh, but you said that, you know, you thought people were just kind of training themselves into oblivion. And I agree with that. And I've mentioned that on my channel in numerous videos where I'm always trying to, I always try to be diplomatic right. and say, you know, just because you can do something doesn't mean it's necessarily great for your body. Like you can right. hyperextend your knee, but I wouldn't train it. You know, because uh, what you find is people who just cannot stop working out <laughs> yes. and they'll, but they're in constant pain and they don't see the connection or maybe they do and they just ignore it or they wish maybe they can tr- out train that connection between training too much and pain. And I know they're extended. I know what pattern they show up as. I know, I know what the pathology that they're going to probably have. I know their visual system is probably being strained. I know that they're creating malocclusion in their own mouth because they're so extended because they deadlift and squat and overhead press and do all these in everything in moderation, but you know, they're just doing too much of it. And if they knew, if, if they knew what they're doing to their body, if they knew they could end up like me, what I was, would they keep doing that? Because they've not, they haven't gotten to that point yet, but like, I'm passionate about it. People are doing way too much and they are destroying themselves. They are no turning themselves into a sympathetic fight or flight zombie. And the only way they can remedy it, remedy, remedy it is by doing more of it. And it's, they're just destroying themselves. And I know people no watch this channel and, and I try to get that point across. I'm like, guys, I see what lays down on my table. You don't know what those tests are telling me, but when your neck cannot laterally flex more than three degrees on both sides, you're in trouble. <laughs> you better Do believe you agree it. with that. Of course, of yeah, course. Next, the moment that neck is, I don't care what your pelvis is doing. I don't care what your rib cage is doing. I do, but I, <laughs> I go, I just want to know what the neck is doing. Yep. If yep. the neck is loose and moving, everything else is workable. But once that neck is not moving, this could be a long well, road. I'll tell you what, Neil, I think that when we have discussions like this, you know, you think back to, you know, what, what's going through people's minds and what are they driven by? Like, why do they work out? Most people don't work out because they want to be healthy. They may, they work out because they want to look good. They want to, you know, they want to look good on the beach, right? Like these are, those are the drivers of why people work out. Um, And, and my, my stance on that is like, look, like I want you to have the information. Like I want you to know, Uh, and you and I both know that this is, this complex. I mean, you've, you and I have dedicated our lives to this subject and there's plenty more that we don't know. And you know, how can, how can an accountant who works nine to five have this depth of information? It's really not possible. That's why you want the trainers to be proficient and and understand it because that's what they've dedicated their life to. Uh, But where I stand right now, Neil is 
I think that the big, the big X factor and the one thing that, that everybody can do to improve instantly the amount of movement variability, uh, the pain in their body, uh, I truly believe that this is the best thing that you can do is have as much fun as you can possibly have. Uh, and the, ne the neurological effects of fun uh, downregulates the system. Wow. It, it frees up the body. And, and of course, that there's, there's still going to be some issues that are going to present itself. But I can't even tell you how many PRI symptoms, PRI tests have cleared up just because I've been able to get somebody to relax, get somebody to have fun, uh, get people to understand that, uh, that your hip mobility is a lot different when you wake up in the morning than it is have here. Them, and what does that them, tell me? Have them walk the opposite direction in New York City. Can you just, you tell, that story? Can you just tell that story? Because people don't believe me. Sure. I know so they don't I, believe me. Yeah, I had this. I had this gal come in, and she was a she was a she was a runner, uh, and she was she wanted to she wanted to run a marathon. She comes to me. She's like, I have I I think it was right knee pain, uh, and she's like, I, I'm I'm running a marathon. I'm like, great. When are you running it? She's like, in four weeks or something like that. I'm like, wow, you really really I got my work cut out for me here. So we went through the process. I, I gave her all the tests, and what I do in the beginning of all of my sessions is I just like. Q&A, right? And I do this, I do the Q&A for a couple of reasons. Uh, a, one, because I want the information and I'm, I'm trying to like deduce like the whole picture. Yeah. But two, I know that I'm six foot four, I'm a big guy and you've never met me before and that you're probably going to be intimidated by me when I first stand in front of you. And neurologically, I'm going to get a different result if you're intimidated by me. So I got to find a way to develop a little bit of a rapport. You mean it's so I'm not going just about muscles? Patterns are not- It is, it's 99% about <laughs> muscles, okay? <laughs> uh, so I, I get her in there and we're, we're talking about this stuff and I, and I end up, and this is a very real, real, very real assessment. I asked her to describe to me her route that she runs uh, every single day. And she's, I think she lived in Midtown East, Upper East Side. And she said she runs uh, East out of, uh, on like, let's say 86th Street or something. And she runs all the way to the East River. She runs up the East River. She goes up to like 102nd makes a goes west and then starts running down central park east right so and i was like well why do you do that and she's like the view is just phenomenal so what i'm seeing and just trying to understand this and also knowing that i have to make a big change quickly uh, i'm seeing that the entire time that she's running she's focused visually on the right side she's looking at the ships and on the river uh she's coming back around and she's looking at central park west, or central park east and looking at the beautiful uh the beautiful streets along what is that, fifth avenue or madison avenue whatever that is right down the right down the central park east there uh and i said to her i was like look we go through a lot of things here we can give you resets we can do all sorts of different things uh, and we'll certainly give you some resets but i think the thing that's going to be most effective for you is if you go the opposite way on your on your route and i'm sure you know neil how you know they're like i'm paying you for what exactly here uh and and I said, look, like this is, this is how it works. This is the visual system. This is what I think. Here's your resets to make you happy, but do this. I, and I told her, I said, don't do the resets for three days. Go do this loop first and let's see how your knee feels. She emails me in three days and she says, I, I, my knee is completely better, completely better. Uh, and it's just, again, it's the awareness of the body. It's awareness of what's going on. It's the, aware, it's the freedom and, and the permission to giving yourself to be creative and, and think about, you know, when I give my two-day seminar, I, I at the end of it, I try to give you permission to make, make shit up. Right. Because I, I was like, I just gave you uh, 25 exercises and guess what? One day I was sitting at my desk and I made it up. And like, this is how anything becomes of it becomes anything is somebody made it up. And if you understand the way that the body works, you can provide all sorts of different solutions to, to 
a problem, but just you just have to make sure you do your homework and you understand what's actually going on here. And when you do that, you can you know, now this person now this person thinks I'm freaking Harry Houdini, uh, and she sends everybody to me, and he's just he's going to tell you to run the opposite way, and he's going <laughs> yeah. char- to charge you an arm and a leg, and you're on your way. You know, I'll probably get those questions. So all I have to do is run the opposite direction. No, it's of not course. always that simple. Um, right, right, right. You have to stabilize your body, do all this other stuff, but you know, getting someone neutral. And so I just did this on Sunday with somebody. All I had him do to get him completely neutral, meaning if you don't understand what neutrality is and PRI just means your tests are, you have full range of motion, including the neck. I had him sense his body weight shift to the left, feel the ground come up underneath his left heel, step forward with his right foot and his left hand, notice it happening and go. Walk down, walk back, neutral. Why? All I did was, in, doesn't mean he's stable, but you, I inhibited, no, he inhibited his dominant pattern, which is always shift to the right and step with the left foot. So we had him shift to the left and step with the right foot, had him notice it, bring awareness that it was happening, notice his left, his left hand coming in his left peripheral vision, which is like running left, <laughs> running to the left, yep. always to the right. And his brain said, Oh, go to the left. Okay, I'll do that. But he had lost that ability, which is basically all PRI people. If you're a patient or really all humans, we love to start with the right side. And it is inhibiting a pattern is simply changing a neurological outcome by giving you different sensory stimulus. That's it. Again, doesn't mean you're stable. Doesn't mean you can run 20 miles when you couldn't run like a half mile two days ago. It just means we inhibited a pattern. And even with uh, you know, doing what you did uh, with starting a career, you know, someone else may have been in a pattern of thought of, I can't do this. Only other people can do this because they have it. So, you know, they're lo- they know people or, you know, they were born into the right family. Well, you're stuck in a pattern of negative no thought. You have no clue how other people, you can do stuff. No doubt. You just have to try. And then once you have a little bit of success, you've inhibited a pattern of negative catastrophic thinking. (laughs) And the thought patterns and the physical patterns of the body are not different. It functions the same way. And I really want to get that across to people. So they don't just think about muscles and bones. If there's one thing that I think the industry has to change is this obsession with muscles and bones and the mechanical processes. Because if your sensory processes and what you're sensing and feeling and not noticing or noticing too much of doesn't change, your mechanical outcomes are not going to change very well. And that's what I'm trying to push big time. Because I think a lot of people are missing that or they just, maybe they just don't understand it. And I understand it's not easy. But when you get that changes in tests, all this range of motion changes completely. And you didn't stretch a thing. You didn't lift a thing. You just had them notice something different that they weren't accustomed to. And you just inhibited the pattern. It's big time stuff, Neil. And you are allowing people probably to inhibit their patterns of negative thought of, oh, I can't do this. That's the goal, baby. That is the goal. I, I think that's, I mean, that's awesome. So, so wrapping up, what you're doing right now, what is driving you? We've kind of already talked about what's driving you, but right in this instant, whatever day is today, August 7th, maybe? I don't know. I think that's right. Yeah. What is Sean yeah. Light most concerned about? 
What am I most concerned about? What's driving you? What are you just like, oh, I can't wait about to do this. I can't wait. I got to change that. Whatever is, can't, you're just <laughs> like, oh, I can't wait. You know, I would say that one of my strengths is that I never really get into that spot where I'm like, oh my God, I want to really do something. I like to keep it really, really level all the time. Uh, the, the big thing on my, on my radar right now is I've created this thing called the 4A Step Up Challenge, uh, where it's a completely free event where we're going to spend an entire week with every, everybody who joins. Uh, it's it's going to be NASM, NSCA, CEU approved. Uh, and the, the big thing that I'm, I'm really trying to do is, and Neil, you were part of the first coaches in quarantine events, uh, which was, uh, yeah, it was a resounding success. We had 3000 people involved. It was incredible. Uh, and my idea was that I wanted to do that, take, take that idea and just absolutely level up so hard. So the idea is it's going to be completely different. It's going to be significantly better although neil's not going to be there oh. uh, so you know how much better can it really be not much uh, <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so like that's i mean my my thing right now i, I created this this notebook here uh where i went through and i just have my plans uh laid out it's hard to see here but i got my plans laid out for uh, everything that I need to do, all the tasks that I need to accomplish, what my goals are. Uh, and I'm literally just going piece by piece down and just knock, knocking off every single thing and uh, doing everything I can. The big thing, Neil, is is to deliver, deliver a, a service to people that uh, is way better than they're expecting to receive. Does it feel overwhelming at times? Because I know from the salsa world, putting on an yeah. event is hard work. Well, it's a lot of work. And you have yeah. to do all these little things to get a successful, yes. to get people to show up. Yeah. I know it's hard. So how do you, uh, how do you, how do you process? Like, how do you not get overwhelmed by the enormity of being like, I need people to actually. <laughs> I just, yeah, uh, it is. It is. It's certainly tough. I will say that you know when you whenever you launch something like this, you have no idea. If anybody's going to show up, you have no idea, uh, you, you know, but for, for me, as far as I'm concerned, like that's, that's kind of your scoreboard there, right? Like you, how, how good am I actually doing it at delivering this message and, and communicating that I can actually be of service to, to, to anybody. Um, you know, I, I think that in the beginning, one of the, the benefits that I've had in the beginning of my career was, uh, doing everything I could for free uh, and trying to literally help us hop on the phone with anybody. I would talk to anybody. I would help people out. I would send them free stuff. I would connect them to people. Uh, and I think I built up this, this, you know, goodwill with a lot of folks. Yeah. A lot of goodwill. And I think the reputation behind me is that I'm not, you know, I'm not a, I'm not trying to scam you out of any money. The way I view marketing is that I, my job is to grab somebody's attention uh, and then hold it to communicate a message to them. And that message somehow needs to be that I can actually not no bullshit. I can actually provide a real serious value to you in your life, career, right. whatever, that I can actually do that. And, and I'm going to leverage my strengths to do that. And that's how I, that's how I view marketing. It's about, can I capture your attention? Can I communicate that I can really help you? Uh, and then can I follow through with that on the back end? Uh, and for me, if nobody signs up for this event, which thankfully that's not the case right now, right. Uh, signups have been going awesome. Uh, but if nobody signs up for this event, to me, it's like, okay, that, here's an unbelievable example, Neil. I can't believe I didn't even think of this. This is great. I, uh, I, when I first started this business, I was like, I'm going to create a seminar. It was called the Real Recovery Workshop. Okay. 
I'm going to create the real recovery workshop and I'm going to launch it in New York city. I'm going to get some people to host it. I'm going to get people to sign up. Right? So I went over to this place called clay in New York city. And I went over to, uh, Chelsea Piers in New York city. And I got them both to agree. I somehow convinced the fitness managers that we could host at these facilities separated a couple months, whatever. Uh, and I launched it. I put it on social media and exactly zero people showed up and signed up. So that is a huge, I mean, that's having the birthday party that no one shows up to. That yeah. is because that would, any person would re say that reflects my worth. Yes, I am, yes. I know most of my, uh, I know that most of my, um, the people that watch this are probably guys. All right. I'm pretty sure. Cause I YouTube somehow knows. I don't know. I don't know how they know, yeah. but they know everything. You know, yeah. And so many people are so have such low self-esteem and if you have low self-esteem and you put yourself out there and try something like you did and it's right. just crickets, like you get nothing. <laughs> how does that not just confirm every horrible thing you've already thought about yourself. You probably weren't thinking about yourself in that way, but you, I mean, I would imagine that you were probably like, Oh shit. Well, damn. but yeah, I mean, I was, I was, I, well, I, to, as far as I'm concerned, yeah. As far as I'm concerned, you are, everybody is paid exactly what they're worth. 100%. If nobody shows up, that's what you're worth. And for me, I mean, the difference was, you know, I'm not going to like, crawl into a hole and give this thing up. I'm going to go back to the drawing board and figure it out. I, I ended up launching a seminar, uh, a, you know, a, maybe seven months later and six people showed up. That's so I was like, Hey, there we go. I'm yeah. doing something better. Right. Yeah. And yeah. then, and then I went to 10 and then 12 and 20 and so on. And, uh, and you know, now thankfully I hunt literally hundreds of people from, from around the world, uh, who are trusting me with this process. And, uh, you know, I think that it's, you know, you, there's uh, like, like we said in the beginning, right. We're coming full circle here, Neil. Uh, you know, if you're going to go from point A to point B, you have, there's no, there's no way around that. You like, there's, there's all sorts of failures that I, that I try and do stuff that still fail uh, to this day. And, and it's, to me, it's just like, okay, like you got to look at it. Uh, you have to assess it. How can it be better? The best, the best example of this uh, is in Ray Dalio's book principles, the way he does it, the way he has set up his entire company, which by the way, is rather successful. He's worth $10 billion. Uh, he, He's created machines. So he created a user experience machine, like an investment machine for yeah. his hedge fund. Uh, and he created like a customer acquisition uh, machine. Right. And he just created the machines and then he would objectively assess every machine. He would triangulate all uh, decisions with three different people, trustworthy opinions, uh, who could look at it, have different views, have different thoughts, and they could come to, to, to the to the best, uh, to the best answer on, on each thing and on each decision. Uh, and then over time, it just became a really, really good process. If you look at the 4A health club 12 months ago, you're gonna be like, Oh God, like, ugh. you know, even you, here's the, here's the interesting thing. If you go into the, to the, uh, coaches in quarantine, if you, anybody who's listening, who was at coaches in quarantine, uh, and now goes through the process of signing up for, uh, the four, a step up challenge, you're going to see that I stepped it the hell up. Like it is significantly better, yeah. significantly better on every account. And yeah. to me, that's the game. Yeah. It's, you know, we're going to try something here and guess what? In 
you know, this is going off in September. When I run the, the next one in December or January, whenever, whatever that's going to be called, you're going to look back at the 4A Step Up Challenge. You're going to be like, oh, man, that was not as good as this thing right here. And it's just constantly, it's just next level. It's next level. It's next level. And for me, I think when I, when I, first, when I first signed up for, like now, it's, I, I thought about this at the time where when I get these seminars and nobody signs up, I'm like, man, when I do succeed, this is going to be amazing. Neil, I have a video. I have a video. It's saved up on my phone. This is so great. And maybe this is the perfect time to release it. I have this video that I created. When I first started my company, uh, this, is, um, this is incredible. I literally, from the Lakers, I was in Staples Center working on famous athletes. Shaq was coming into the, to the weight room. LeBron James was in the weight room. Like Steph, I was in there talk, chat with Vince Carter and Steph Curry and watching Kevin Durant. Like all these guys like in the weight room. And then... All that stops, um, start a business, and I got to figure it out. And next thing you know, I'm at a local middle school with a massage table set up on the side with a little standy stand-up board advertising for myself at a amateur wrestling event. And I'm not talking about, you know, Olympic wrestling. I'm talking about like WWE wrestling stuff at a local middle school it was, it was so ridiculous. It was so yeah. weird. It was so awkward and uncomfortable, but I sat there and I, I like, vid, like recorded the whole thing because I wanted, to, I was, and I said in there, I was like, look, when I do become a good business, you're going to look back at this and this is going to be an amazing video because I am literally grinding it out at this thing, trying to find clients, trying to find people yeah. to uh, be a part of what I'm doing. Uh, and it was, it was as embarrassing as it gets. I was like, you Wait till you see the video. I'm, you're going to be the first person I send the video to. Awesome. It is ridiculous uh, th that I would that. And I, and I say in there, I'm like, I was at Staples Center 30 days ago. Uh, and now I'm working this amateur wrestling event. And it's just part of the process. And for me, it's always been, if you want to get to this outcome, you must go through this process. And it's a learning uh, process. That's it. And that's it. And I think it's, and I, and I believe it's a, uh, uh, like it's a separator. It's, it's, it's a test. If, you know, are you willing to go through that? If not, then you never get to get to that level. And, yeah. and I, I, think, I will do anything to get there. And I think that comes back to the ego. If you're doing it to be somebody, there's nothing more dangerous from all my studies uh, about, there's nothing more dangerous than people who have to be somebody because they're just so ego driven. Right. And, you know, if you're not ego driven, if you're not doing this YouTube channel, if I'm not, if I wasn't doing this YouTube channel or if I was doing this YouTube channel to get as many followers as possible, I would be, I would look at some videos that I made that only have you know, 800 views and it would upset me. Right now. Does it upset me? Yeah. Because I know people are missing something I said <laughs> in that video. I'm like, you don't right. realize this is probably the, you like this thing about the left hand <laughs> and I'm telling you something completely different. That's going to be so sure. much more impactful if you could sure. understand the message. And so I'm just like, these people, they don't know what they're missing. That's what gets me angry. Like, not because I only got 800 views, because I know they're missing out. I'm That's so it. passionate and I know, I'm so confident that everyone can benefit from everything I'm doing. Right. That there's no, failure doesn't exist. You know, just because it's- That like, is those, it. Those, you said those, it. It doesn't exist. Those 800 people who watched it, I know I improved their life. So if you live in, a, if you work in an industry or any type of job, where you're helping people. And that is where you find flow. Like you're with someone for an hour and a half and you're helping them. It's been two hours and you think it's been 15 minutes. And you're like, holy shit, right. two hours into this session. That is happiness right there. Don't outthink it. 
don't think that you're going to be happier when you have 80,000 followers. You're not because you're going to be worried yeah. about the followers. Yeah. Love when you can do, when you're not phased by being in some local WWE <laughs> because you know, your purpose is to, this is just part of going through that process of getting to that right. point where you're helping even more people. You don't really think about it that much. Like I right. said, the ego just falls away. Like you stop thinking about yourself so much and you're living for the experience of helping people or whatever you do. And that, that's that flow. That's that book about flow. That's when you're that's in it. it. Time just melts away. You don't know how long you've been with that person. That's, that's where I find my flow and my happiness. I think a lot of people outthink themselves. They think, that, I think oh, they yeah. have that feeling every now and then, but society or your family or your friends or what you think you should be doing just invades your mind again. You never yeah. let go of that pattern of thought. You've had inklings like, wow, I really like this. But you're still drawn. You still think happiness is found over there. Right. And it's not. And it's not. Never and is. if you stay passionate, it will grow. It might not yep. grow like gangbusters, but it'll grow over time. People will find you. I think that's the lesson from someone like you. Like, if you're passionate about it and you're good at it, I mean, that's the other thing. You, ha you do have to be good. I mean, let's be honest. No you doubt. Have, you have no to doubt. work on the skill. You have to be good at what you're doing. It'll work. It'll work, but you're not going to be Amazon. You're not going to be Amazon within the first three years. You know, you gotta be that's paid. it, man. That's it. If you can help people out and look at any company, every company is successful because a lot of people, you are, you, a lot of people believe that you're going to be able to help them out on whatever goal it is that they're trying to fulfill uh, from your product. Amazon, Microsoft, Apple, 4A, whatever. It is literally, can you help? Can you can you help me out if you can? And then at what scale can you help people out at? Yeah. That's, that's the whole thing. Yeah. Without losing, with, without losing the ability to keep helping. Cause sometimes I think you might, you know, sometimes you might get so busy and this happened to me not too long ago. I, I was losing my effectiveness. I thought because I was getting too many inquiries. That's when and the I, price goes up, Neil. <laughs> I know, I know. I did a little bit of that. Um, but uh, it, 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 it was taking me away from my, my zone, my flow, because you have right. too many people to think about and you want to help everybody, but then you realize you can't because if you did, then you're going to be you're, like, I was turning into a mental mush, right? You know, and I just had to, but that's where your YouTube channel comes into play because yeah. now you've scaled it. You've scaled your ability to help. Yeah. Now you can point them in the direction of a video. You can do this yeah. and that. That's one of the reasons why there's so many courses for me. Because if I say you need to learn search engine optimization, I can just send you the link to the search engine optimization yeah. course. Yeah. And that's, that's the scalability of this whole thing. Yeah. And man, I mean, that's, that's some deep stuff, Neil, that we are, we are all up in the weeds right now. Yeah. All right. Well, that, that's probably a good place to stop. I mean, that's been an hour and 15 minutes or so, but that was a great conversation. Um, Oh yeah, I forgot, we never even talked about how we actually met. Just real quick, just say how we met. Listen, this is this is the perfect cherry on top of this, okay, everybody. So I am I'm sitting at the it was at the Jewish Community Center on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. I'm taking Cervical Revolution with Ron Haruska, uh, and sitting there, and Ron basically talking Chinese. I don't know what the hell he's saying. Uh, it's, <laughs> no one did. You know, I never way been over, lost in my life. Way over my head. I've never been so, lost so Ron, Ron, Ron's like looking for, he's like a magic act. He's like calling up a volunteer from the, from the audience. Here comes this guy, this stunningly handsome fella, super jacked. I mean, just, I, they just saw my crossbite and was like, this guy <laughs> 
So he calls him up and, and he, and he puts him through this routine. And I remember he, I think he gave you like a, a splint to put in your mouth. Yeah. Uh, and like, to me, like I was completely unfazed. I was in the front row. You were like in the third row back. And uh, I was just kind of sitting there. I was like, okay, cool. And I've always been kind of like a, like a skeptical as the test change. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. okay, like, is it really happening? Is this, is he just kind of screwing around up there? What is it? And then I was like, wow, that test was actually pretty interesting. Like that was a pretty dramatic change from a pretty little thing that he did. Uh, and then uh, like, I'm, I remember sitting there, I was kind of like the cool guy in class, like sitting back like this. And like, you were like back left angled of me and I'm looking and you're just like getting distracted because you're back there. You're just like, like messing with your glasses. You're doing this. I was like, yo, what the hell is wrong with this guy back here? <laughs> and uh, so eventually, like, I think, I don't know if you like raised your hand or they called on you to like talk about your experience. And you were talking about like all these like crazy, crazy changes that had just happened to you. Yeah. Uh, and, and like, I'm sitting there and now I'm like, okay, like, is this, is this guy for real? Is this guy planted here by the Institute uh, to make this, you know, whatever. Uh, so I ended up after the, after the event, I ended up emailing you uh, out of, out of thin air. I, I, right? I don't even know. How, how did I find I email I email. I don't know. I'm, I'm savvy like that, Neil. You I'm savvy are, like are. that. Uh, you so, yeah, I'm just interested how that, how I made that. I probably like scoped your name tag or something. Uh, so I found you, I emailed you and I was like, dude, was that legit or was that not? And you wrote back, like, it was so clear from your email that everything that did happen to you was no B, no BS. That was the real deal. Uh, and I don't think we actually linked up in person for like another year so i was working in yeah, arizona working and stuff uh and I, I don't even know when 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 i ran into you next but uh man we've been boys ever since it was, it was down in was uh, that was that the next time at, at the next cervical yeah 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 well, there you go man and, and we we've just been absolute bros ever since because neil's the freaking man yeah so like when i talk about grounding that's real when you yeah. when you feel your feet on the ground making contact with the floor in ways that you were not feeling before he put that mouth guard in your mouth to take away your bite. And then you're just like, well, I was discombobulated, which right. is not most people, but like, this is a real thing. Like the sensory input that you're over sensing. And I talk about this. So hopefully some people will know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> that will ruin your life. I'm telling you. Yep. And I would have not had a clue until he's, and I'm pretty sure he had the entire class come and look at my crossbite. He had me on the table with like my, my, my lips. <laughs> I do apart. remember this. And he I had gloves on. He's like, look at that crossbite. That is ruining his life. And it was. <laughs> look at this brutal jaw we got <laughs> here. Was. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I was like, hey, whatever. But um, that was real. And yeah. I was, my body was completely destabilized, completely compensatory, uh, completely ungrounded. And my neck did not move whatsoever. Yeah. And just getting that mouth guard in blew up my world. And then the next day he did the actual repositioning technique, the standing alternating cranial expansion. And I was seeing colors differently. My food tasted differently. I felt, you know, how, how little I knew. I thought I was supinating on my right foot when I was pronating. <laughs> I didn't really know yeah. what I was doing. Like, I didn't know there was yeah. supination pronation at that point. I'm like, sure. I'm supinating differently because I'm feeling my arch. God. Uh, so you can learn this <laughs> stuff, trust me. I didn't know any of it. But right. uh, like you're just feeling your whole body differently. I didn't want to take that mouth guard out of like off of my teeth because of, I was afraid to go back to the old way, which I right. did anyway, because my eyes, but uh, like it is mind blowing first. And again, most people are not going to be like that because they're not torsioned, 
But for the people that are, this is real stuff. And if you do not understand how sensory input affects your thought patterns, even much less your body patterns, right? I was never seeing the world properly. How does that affect how you think? That's where I met my next research really is if you have a visual dysfunction, how does that affect how your brain is actually interpreting the world? How you're seeing things, right? How does that affect your mental well-being also, not just physical, um, no doubt. but yeah, it's all real. And I, and I always tell people who, anyone who's trying PRI or trying to learn it, I was like, you got to take cervical revolution because you're not going to get the full picture just through those primary courses. Of course, of course. Because, you know, if that neck doesn't let go, everything you're trying to do is going to be kind of, it's going to work a little bit, probably. Some people won't no work at all, but you yeah. really got to go all in. You can't, like I, I think we've talked about, you can't do a little PRI. If you're doing a little PRI, you're not really doing PRI because you're not resolving the pattern. Like, always. Yeah, always. you can't just do a little bit because that doesn't, doesn't work like that. If, right. you, if you acknowledge a pattern, that pattern has to be resolved. And so you can't just do a, like an adductor pullback and think that that's PRI. <laughs> We've done uh, it. Yeah, and we all thought we were. It's like, yeah, I'm doing of PRI. Course. Yeah. Of course. And then, and then of eventually course. four or five years in, you're like, oh, wow, this is definitely different. Yeah, I was not even close. I was horrendous. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You realize how bad you really were at it, but it's a process. But anyway, that was awesome. Um, that was great. I haven't spoken to you in a while, so that was really good. I know, man. Well, it's, it's always great to see you, Neil. Good to see you as well. All right, we are signing off. And uh, yeah, oh, and then Sean, if you want to say how people can find your event. Yeah, uh, that's going to be at 4astepupchallenge.com. Very simply put, uh, pretty self-explanatory after that. It's completely for free. It's September 7th through the 13th. We're only meeting for one hour a day. Uh, so we're not going to be taking up your entire week, just one hour, of, one hour a day. Uh, and that's over at 4A, the number 4astepupchallenge.com. I feel like I'm ending my own podcast here. Think of it as that way. There it is. Perfect. Yeah. This, was, this was for you anyway. All right. Thanks a lot. <laughs> You got it, baby. All right, bye-bye.